morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a brand new Monday sode. I should have said like water sode because <laughs> dear God in heaven, I'm going to talk about water world, ladies and gentlemen. But I am not alone. I am not joined by Justin. I am not joined by the God of podcasting. Now you're going to die. I'm, I'm sorry. Fuck you, Paul, for hating Death Wish 3. <laughs> I am joined by a very, very good friend of the show. He's been here for a lot of these anniversary flicks. And my God in heaven, are we going to talk about another one? Brad from the Cinema Guys. Brad, how you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. I, I love I love coming in for these, uh, these fun movies. I know why you're here. <laughs> he said that he sucked the blood from the penis and put the balls in his true. mouth. That's it's 100% true. why you're here. So I don't And even, I will admit, yeah. I have not seen Death Wish 3. I mean... If you see it, then you will recognize it as the greatest action masterpiece <laughs> of all time, Paul. God, oh, they savaged it. Oh, they savagely destroyed well, it. Well, you know, Paul doesn't like the fifth element either. Paul so. doesn't like to have fun at the movies, we've learned. <laughs> um, he doesn't enjoy film. Man, I just, oh, I just, I sat, like, we had just recorded our canon quarantine episode on Death Wish 3, which is, I mean, if you listen to this show beloved we adore the movie we recognize how bad it is 100 it is not a masterpiece oh, yeah. of cinema by any means but it is so laugh out loud funny bad that you can't help but love every minute of it at least we can't we we just absolutely do it but oh my god they savagely destroyed it i was just like 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 mouth agape the whole time and i think by death wish three i think you know what you're gonna get it's Pretty a much. canon movie. It and... is a canon movie. It's a canon movie. Waka, waka, waka. <laughs> uh, we're not here to talk about a canon movie tonight, no. ladies and gentlemen. Brad, what are we here to talk about? We are here to talk the 1995 Kevin Costner starring film Waterworld. At the time, the most expensive motion picture ever made. That is correct. I think the, the budget was like what two hundred and thirty-five million. Uh, one hundred and seventy-five million. I read, okay. but that was just production, not including marketing not and including everything else. I think marketing and everything. So as of, and I was reading earlier, guys, this movie actually did. It's not the biggest box office bomb ever. It totally turned a profit. By twenty years later, it had netted a profit of a whole eight million dollars. Hey, you know what? Raking in that just- dough. <laughs> Based on like Blu-ray sales and like streaming deals and like all sorts of stuff, like eventually this thing limped over the finish line. Eighteen years after it was released, hallelujah! Get the sequel in the works today. They should. They should bring Kevin Costner back and, just... and, and get it done. <sighs> Ladies and I mean, I, I'm. This is a movie that I saw ages upon ages ago. It had to have been sometime after it came out. I did not see this in theaters. Thank Ooh. the Lord. Oh, well, I saw it in the theaters. Oh, no. <laughs> please, please regale me with your theater-going experience. Well, Waterworld. my theater-going experience was I was sophomore in college. Ooh. And the theater that we all went to around there is a theater in Colorado called The Continental. And it was the theater. It was the theater to go to to see the movie because it was the biggest screen in the state. It was before IMAX, before any of that. So you were like... You got to you have to see like big movies on this screen. 
So we're like, you know what? Let's go see Waterworld. It looks like it could be fun. We're going to have a good time. And when I came out of it, I was, again, I think I've said this on previous movies of, you know, like uh, maybe Pitch Black. I don't know. But I was like, I loved it. I had so much fun with this movie. And, you know, everyone else in my group was like, eh, you know, it had some parts that were good. But from majority, it wasn't that good. <laughs> Which was kind of the reaction at the time. It, it got a very yeah. mixed reception at the time. It, it, it wasn't like this. It wasn't like Battlefield Earth, where it was legitimately reviled by everyone with eyes that could see it or with ears that could hear it. Uh, you know, it, it wasn't. It, it wasn't like it was a massive, massively horrible movie or anything. But it was a severe financial disappointment. Oh, because yes, it, it didn't was. even come close. I mean, it took it eighteen years to limp over the finish line and finally turn a profit. You know, I mean, it, it, it needed to come out with, you know, like what we would consider like Avengers money. Yeah, I mean, this was to... massively, massively huge. This kind of budget was unheard of for a movie at the time. I mean, it was quickly topped by Titanic when Titanic was made. But Titanic, but Titanic made a made a lot more money, more. <laughs> like a lot, a lot more money. So, you know, I mean, so Brad, oh, God in heaven. What is Waterworld? And I love that we're here for these movies that are set in like a dystopian future. Yes. Where <laughs> they are still using modern technology hundreds of years later because of course they are. But anyway, what is tell us what Waterworld is all about. Well, Waterworld is a future where the polar ice caps have melted on Earth submerging the entire world underwater and a mutant mariner fights to survive against the outlaw smokers to, and reluctantly helps a woman and a young child to find dry land because it still exists. <sighs> I'm <laughs> we're just going to get it out of the way now, folks. So just, just play that rant. So I'm the critics that were mixed on this film and the mixed reactions that your friends gave it as you walked out of the theater were all horribly incorrect, Brad, because this movie is god awful. It's horrible. Now, <laughs> production wise alone, like the production itself this is Mad Max on the water. The Mad Max films oh. were a huge inspiration. The screenwriters definitely acknowledged it. I was like, you think? You think that they were inspired little, by like Mad a Max? A tiny bit. A <laughs> tiny, tiny bit. I mean, if you color all the water like sand color, it might look similar. Just, just putting that out there. <laughs> might be the same movie. Might be the same movie. But, you know, from a production standpoint, I get it. I get it. And I get why people would take those things away from this as a positive. Everything else about this movie is terrible. The writing is horrible. The performances are even worse, especially from Costner, who is the most miserable asshole. Literally the entire movie. This is our protagonist. This is, as an audience member, you are sitting down in a theater. You are sitting down and you need to latch yourself onto a character to take you through the journey of this world. And this thing saddles you with the most miserable cocksucker 
ever. Yeah, and you was... as an audience member are somehow supposed to wring enjoyment and a good time out of this film in which this miserable cocksucker, I will say it again, <laughs> is so, so like he is so angry at everybody. He's he's he like he doesn't talk to people when he does talk to them. He's just snippy and short with them. He's just a giant dick. And the like the few things that he does for at least like the first two thirds of the movie, uh, he just shoots a bunch of people. He tries to barter a woman as a sex object, like just tries to trade her for paper. At oh, oh God in heaven. I hated, hated, hated Costner in this movie. Now, Costner very, very famously in this movie clashed with the director on set to the point where the director but he Kevin wanted Reynolds, this director. He he wanted yeah, he him to direct. Him. Yes. And they they'd worked together before, and they have worked together since as well. Yeah, they worked together on Robin Hood and clashed. Yeah, and and yet he wanted to bring him so back. Costner and then wanted they to clashed. bring him back, and then they clashed so much so that Kevin Reynolds walked off the set, leaving Costner to finish the movie. So you could tell, I don't just think it's that way on the page. Like you could probably blame the writing for maybe not giving us enough of a character to like endear ourselves to, or like, okay, this is a character who I can. I can get in their shoes and I can walk through this world and I can, I can empathize or I can do whatever's going on. No, this is Costner. Who's just a miserable asshole being on set the whole time, transitioning that over into his performance. I, at least that's what I think. Well, it might be, you know, Kevin Costner, obviously he was, he was a big deal for, for quite a while. And he was, he was just coming off of uh, the Wyatt Earp failure he had. So, mm-hmm. Maybe this was he was still holding that grudge. So he's like, you know, I'm going to I'm going to harness it into the character, but then I'm going to give you an accent from time to time, which I have no idea where it came from or what it was. (laughs) (sighs) This is one of the other things we'll talk about this as we get further into the movie, too. But this movie was also eviscerated by Costner in the editing room. To where yes. there are things in this world, there are things in this world, Brad, think of Battlefield Earth. Think of Battlefield Earth and its 1,000-year-old planes and flight simulators. That's the kind of sense that this movie also doesn't make. There are people still using jet skis that are 500 years old in this movie. There are people... Well, I think it's older, isn't it? Because they never state what year this movie state, takes place. But I think there's a, an interview think, with somebody yeah, or they, I think a novelization they said it was the or year something. 2500, 2500 or something like that. So yeah, so it's a little over 500 years in the future from when this movie was made. There's still a plane that people are flying around. The Exxon Jet Valdez skis. is yeah, still the Exxon floating Valdez is still 500 years later. Still has oil. Like... Hanging out. Are you what? Like these characters that live on the Exxon Valdez, the smokers as they were, I guess all of their backstory, literally everything about their society got eviscerated by Costner in the editing room because apparently there's a three hour cut somewhere. Yeah. Like because when they broadcasted on TV, I was reading like there was a lot of stuff put back into the TV edit that was cut out of the theatrical release. And somebody, it was a fan, a fan actually went in because they took a couple of different broadcast versions that had a bunch of different footage and they combined it all into this master cut. And then the production company actually sanctioned it and put it on the Blu-ray with the other cuts of the movie. So I I have not seen that cut, so I don't know. I I don't know if it really adds that much to the movie. I mean, at at the very least, it would clear up a lot of logical inconsistencies. How are these characters smoking cigarettes? Where are they getting tobacco from? Yeah, where are they getting them? 
where the fuck are they getting them from? Because I could even if, if you wanted if this was a battleship, like some kind of military ship that had tons of rations on it or something, and it wasn't 500 years in the future. Let's just ignore that. That's a plot point for a moment. <laughs> but you, if if you say, OK, maybe it's like, I don't know, 50 years into the future and they've got all these military rations and they've got all this stuff on this military ship. But this is the Exxon Valdez. It was a fucking tanker ship. Like. Yeah, it doesn't have like capacity for like hundreds and hundreds of crew. Like, where are they getting their food? What are they eating? What are they even doing? Like, the only time you ever see a character eating in this movie is like twice. You see Costner eating a tomato plant and then he kills a giant mutant fucking shark thing. Yeah, I don't even know what that creature was. And it's a really bad CGI shot of a monster that you see for all of about a second and a half when it swallows him whole and then he kills it from the inside. Yeah. I mean, I, I understand that it's, you know, 500 plus years. So he's, quote, a mutant that has evolved to the surroundings. But it doesn't. Why is there like this big giant monster shark whale thing? It also it, it, it just, just randomly. It's 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 one of those things where it, it just it flies in the face. It's like Snowpiercer for me. Like a lot of people really love Snowpiercer. I can't stand Snowpiercer because I can't get my head behind the concept because it doesn't make logical sense that this train with no maintenance to the track can just run forever and nobody ever has to get out and fix the goddamn track or anything like that. The same thing applies in this world. If you think about it logically, all of the water, and I mean literally all of the water that is locked up in the South and the North Pole and all the polar ice caps, if all of it melted, it would not create 25,000 feet of water that covers every single continent except for the top of Mount Everest. It, it's, it, 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 no, no, <laughs> no. Would it cause devastation on a global scale? Absolutely. Would yeah. a lot of areas flood? Absolutely. Would it cover literally the entire surface of the planet except for Mount Everest? Absolutely not. Not yeah, even close. The, the city you see when they swim down is Denver. Yeah, I read that. Yeah. <laughs> Which um, that's pretty high up. So. So they still. And that's, that's it, one it, of the other things. Like you think about things like like diving, Brad. You think about things like oceanography and and exploring the oceans well there's one scene in this movie where our a female love interest who at one point offers herself to kevin costner sexually helen is her name gene Triplehorn, just decides to just drop her clothes and is like do me now and he's like no this is my boat whatever and then literally tries to trade her sexually for some paper that another trader has and i also Dude, have questions about the traders brad i re-watching this last week i it'd been quite a few years since i've watched it as i'm watching i'm like was this movie done as a joke like like for real like these smokers who smoke cigarettes and hold the oil with their jet skis and water skiers and boats and, and like it, 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 it felt almost like a farce to me than a, a serious yeah. movie, which I mean, it, it might be one of those things where if, <laughs> if you watch the longer cut, because again, apparently in the longer cut, a lot of these logical inconsistencies, like how the fuck do they still have? I mean, it's a, ta- it's an oil tanker. The Exxon Valdez was an oil tanker. Very famously ran. Of course it was in the mid nineties. So of course the Exxon Valdez oil spill would have been, what was that, 92, I believe, something like that? I think so. Yeah, some, somewhere around there where it spilled a whole bunch of oil uh, in Alaska. It was huge, huge news back at the time. So, of course, this, that's why the Exxon Valdez made it into this movie. But this is an oil tanker. This is crude oil. 
there's still crude oil in this thing. Now, granted, they row yeah. it like a giant rowboat. It, the the engines don't work anymore. Thank God. At least at least the engines don't work on the on the, and on that, the tanker. That poor old guy that they keep down there. Yeah, who just lives? It, I guess he just lives in there. He just lives in there to let them know how many feet of oil they. Yeah, still they have take left. all the oil out of the tanker and they refine it into go juice or gasoline for all of their. What for whatever reason, Dennis Hopper's character, who we also have to fucking talk about, has a car that he just drives around the, inside of the ship. Yes, and, and that's the that's the part that I, at the point where I thought it was a farce because it's playing like, what's what's the what's the song where it's all da 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 like, and then it's all wah, wah, as he's driving his yep, car yep. through the ship, and I'm like. Okay, this to me just seems like it's a joke. Yeah, and, and the scene plays <laughs> off like it's a joke too. And then you, the, if you even try, and this is again, if if you want, Justin has coined a phrase, or he didn't coin it, but he said it a number of times on the show. Turn off your brain. You have to oh, because you have if you to. start trying to think about it logically, where did they get a car? Why is there randomly a car on this oil tanker? Like, it none of it makes literally any sense. Like, if you think about Costner's character, where the fuck did Costner get a copy of National Geographic that is so well-preserved after 500 years underwater? Okay, fine. Maybe he found it 20 or 30 years before. So 470 years underwater. <laughs> Are you even, like, I mean, legitimately, like, there's so many things about this movie logistically that just don't make sense and don't, if you'll pardon the pun, Brad, hold water. Ah? Ah. Ah. <laughs> But this is totally like someone watched Road Warrior and was like, hey, let's do this on water. Yeah, exactly. Except, except instead of a, a a tanker full of gasoline, we're going to have a ship full of oil. It just they're going to fight over. I, I and, you know, and, and, and here's here's the other thing. This is this is going to I'm going to dig into some Star Wars kind of stuff here. This is. Return of the Jedi levels of terrible in this movie, wherein you have like there's one scene in this movie where Helen, using a spear gun thing that she has never fired before, fires off a crack shot and kills the gunner in an airplane that is circling overhead over the boat. What yes. the fuck? And d did you notice who that pilot of that plane was? No. Who was it? Jack Black. No. Yeah. No. Wow. I didn't. I had to look it up. I was like, wow, that kind of looks like Jack Black. And so I look it up and it he's he's credited as pilot. How about that? Wow. <laughs> oh, OK. Uh, wow. Wow. Not. No, I'm not going to rewatch it. No, I almost said no. I want to rewatch it to see that. <laughs> but no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not putting this movie back in. And then. The ever was it before no it was it, the scene when when the uh smokers first attack this little community when they show up with their jet skis and their water skiers and their airplanes and and everything i'm just sitting there like okay this was universal saying we need to make this into a show what can we do yeah like i said it's it's like it's like return of the jedi where you have ewoks fighting against the empire where like you literally have these these guys on the atoll throwing spears and shit at guys and and actually killing people and actually like doing a lot of damage to them and like yeah and why are the smokers the only ones that have guns 
Don't yeah, you think the again, other people would have I don't come understand. across guns? And, and they have, not only do they have guns, but you're talking like military grade weapons. Where did they yeah. get them? Who knows? Because again, the Exxon Valdez is a fucking oil tanker. It's not a battleship. <laughs> again, like you could have fixed like a lot of this stuff if that would have just been a military ship. Like if it would have just been like an old aircraft carrier or whatever that they found adrift on the ocean and they were like, hey, what's this thing? Also, can we talk about the fact that there is never any inclement weather in this movie? How would any of this stuff survive if like a monsoon hit which i have to imagine since there's no land to kill the power of storms well in in real life it didn't well right (laughs) (laughs) that's that's the irony of it in real life yeah the set was destroyed by a hurricane and they had to rebuild it which is one of the reasons why the budget got so high yeah yeah there's never there's never even like so much as a drop of rain in this movie or like a little like even a slightly choppy sea and like you seriously like you look at this atoll which is just like this giant floating hunk of metal out in the sea but like i said this is a world that is entirely covered with water there are no there's no land except for mount everest the top of mount everest is the only land above sea level anywhere in the world which again is like no but nevertheless even though it doesn't stay i guess in the extended edition it makes it clear but if you can read the kanji that's on her tattoo enola's mm-hmm. tattoo it is the latitude and longitude of mount everest it is i looked it up brad <laughs> but there's no land to weaken the power of storms so if a if a hurricane forms it's going to be a hurricane of a strength that we on our nice and land-filled earth can't even fathom can't even like come up with any idea of how strong that hurricane would be there's no way any of this shit's surviving how the fuck is that exxon valdez which is literally rusted out and full of holes still going to be floating or or their their ships like the mariner ship like he said he sailed everywhere yeah he had to have hit something somewhere Mm -hmm. there's no way his ship was that nice and he had all the sail contraptions and all kinds of his he had the fancy boat he had the super super which is also like if, I, I guess maybe they didn't want to film those scenes because if you read through like the trivia sections of this movie, it's legitimately like a comedy of errors of how many times the cast and crew were almost killed or drowned yes. in some yeah. way or another. Like there were so many moments where Costner and everybody else in the cast, crew members, like all sorts of people were almost killed. So maybe they were just like, okay, we've got all these dangerous scenes of like this storm hitting in the script. Can we just cut all these? Because this, even on, even when the water is completely calm, it's, it's, you know, whatever. It's just, I mean, even I think I read that Gene Triplehorn didn't even want to go in water for a long time yep, after yep, this movie. Yep. So I, it's just, like I said, it doesn't logically the film doesn't make sense like it, it it whenever this is the kind of thing when you when you think about a movie like Waterworld, and that's what you know we're, we're film critics that's what we do is we think about movies the second and i mean the second you start peeling back any layer of this thing the whole fucking thing falls apart like a house oh, yeah. of cards none I mean, of it you makes can't. a lick of sense i think if you're gonna watch this movie you just have to turn your brain completely off like these people need to be like you need to have developed these people into like much more of like a fishing and gathering kind of society, but we only ever see one character, one one little area of people is all you ever see. You only ever see the one atoll of people. So we don't even know if there are other people. Yeah. Or how many people are out there. No idea. 
I mean, there's Besides all sorts the, of little outposts and stuff that they randomly come across in the movie. So I guess there's like some yeah, where, where they're all where they where it's kind of like a. I don't know where, where they set it up where everybody's dead and they're just waving their arms like. Yeah, which is also <laughs> super, super weird. Or you see the traitors that he comes across like the Kim Coates, who basically plays this crazy character that he plays in almost every movie. He, he's just known as like the crazy character, like even Battlefield Earth. I feel like he's playing this same character that we see in Waterworld. He just went to Battlefield Earth. He's well, like, you know what? Battlefield Earth I know is how what? To do this. The year 3000, right? Yeah. So it's another maybe. 500 years in the future. So maybe the water all drained down and this is in the same universe. Maybe. I want he that survived. To be he just floated adrift after... Kevin Costner. Yeah, like, there's all him. these different things about like the the whole like they're mariners, <laughs> like they're traders, like they have all these codes and stuff, like all this stuff, but none of it's ever fleshed out, none of it's ever yeah, explored. No. Both of the times that he runs into other traders, they try to steal from him, or they're sketchy, or they're shady, or whatever. It's like, but why do you have a code? Like, why do you even have a code when all <laughs> these people are like, I'm gonna steal all your shit? You know, it's like a pirate's code, but they don't stick to it. Yeah, it's like they have a pirate's code, but they're just like wink, wink. I won't steal your yeah. stuff, even though I already did. <laughs> wink, wink. You know, it's like I promise. And, yeah, and like I said, that's the scene where he tries to just barter Helen Delay because the guy's got paper, which they can't read it. Like none of them can possibly read. Like there's no way any of them can read. But why? What? What good is paper? Like, that's one of the things where, I mean, it seems like, okay, on Costner's boat, he's got, like, all these collectibles of, like, society yeah. as it was. How? Paper and, like, the jar of dirt. What What is the jar of dirt going to do for you? You're like, ooh, look, I have dirt. Yeah, look, like, he goes to the one shop and they've got a tomato plant. From fucking where? <laughs> From where? <laughs> From where? And it li literally, it looks like it's the only food that they have there. Like... I know that there's like the compost thing that they bury the old lady in like the and that's where they're going to bury him or kill him or whatever is bury him in like the sea sludge composty mud. And, and area. what do they eat? Do they is that kind of like a again? These are know, things snow piercer. Do this they is make the little kind jello of molds? Oh, my God. <laughs> Babies taste the best. Um, <laughs> this is one of those things where like if you're going to have a world like this, what you need to do is you need to flesh it out. I'm I'm curious. I don't think I'm curious enough to ever watch the like the the one that's reconstructed with like the television broadcast footage mm -hmm. and stuff. But I'm at least curious enough to think about like how much more of this world that cut of the movie fleshes out because there's like again there's so many things about this movie like they've been living on the water for 500 years but you never see a motherfucker fish in this movie. The only thing you ever come close is when Kim Coates' character shows up and gives them a really, really shitty looking fishing pole. Like, yes, for whatever that Kevin Costner immediately throws into the ocean. He's like, it won't work. You won't catch anything. Like, yeah. And, like, and, and then he uses himself for bait for yeah to catch a giant thing. And can we also talk? Can we also, Brad, can we talk about the Muto as he is or. The ichthosapien, which makes for some really, really funny wordplay in the script when they have to say ichthy or ichtho or ichthosapien or any derivative thereof, because every time <laughs> they say it, it sounds ridiculous. But question, Brad. Yes. Why the fuck are his gills behind his ears? Because it seemed like a logical place to put them. Did <laughs> so you could hide him. Did it because the ears are so close to your airway. <laughs> it's true. Like, 
like they should be somewhere you would think like either on the face or the neck, neck where or... like they could have like i mean okay fine you could be like it, it developed behind the ear and then like this channel developed over to where the again it's just these kinds of things that are, that are just lazy but then you, couldn't, you couldn't hide it is easily thinking he's just some drifter until like they figure it out and then they're like oh he's a mutant now we have to throw him in the big shithole and bury him here's here's the other thing like again i i just love poking at logical inconsistencies in movies i'm sorry (laughs) it's just one of those things but in this movie you already mentioned that they go to denver yes he takes gene triple horn so he basically has a diving bell which is nothing but a clear plastic tarp Mm -hmm. with air in it essentially and he just drags it down to denver now i will math at you for a moment brad there is twenty five thousand feet of water higher in the oceans denver is a mile above sea level so cut yeah. out about five thousand of them so that means they are still diving about four miles to get to denver how on earth like the submersibles that they have to construct for people to be able to withstand the pressures at those depths now are so absurd like so thick like the glass and the hull are so thick she's in a plastic fucking bubble, bubble. yeah which doesn't even, even have a closed off bottom even, on it it doesn't even, even have a closed off bottom that. like i can't like i'm sorry like i just have that scientific brain that that analytical brain that like i see but yeah, even, that, that even water costner, pressure would crush them even costner like okay fine he's got gills he's developed gills and his feet are webbed that doesn't mean the motherfucker can swim like four miles below the ocean Okay, it it doesn't because like physiologically he's still human. Help, Brad! Help me! (laughs) I honestly didn't even think about like okay, they went to Denver, one of the higher points. You know, it's five thousand two hundred eighty feet above sea level, but I didn't. You think about like like, even that? It's still four miles below the surface of the (laughs) water. I mean, Maybe his uh, bones are softer, so he doesn't get crushed. That done, nailed it, <laughs> nailed it. You know why? Because it's like a fucking Russian nesting doll of questions. Every time you take off the layer, another three of them pop out, and you're like, "Oh shit!" There's just more questions about like how inconsistent this movie is, and how literally zero sense this this movie makes. And you you, uh, you saw who one of the writers on this movie was, didn't you? Who? David Twoey, who did Pitch Black in the Riddick movies. <sighs> Bringing it full circle for you now. Why <laughs> is it with you? Everything comes back to Pitch Black with you. Battlefield Earth, they had that same really washed out color palette I, where you couldn't see what the hell was going on. This movie has the same damn writer. <laughs> what is it with you? It's, that's my anchor. That's my <laughs> anchor with you is Pitch Black. <laughs> That's that's the goddamn thorn in my side is what it is that I can't seem to, can't seem to pry that some bitch out of there. I did I did read that they brought Joss Whedon in to do rewrites, and he said it was what do you say like seven weeks of hell or something yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah, and I mean Joss Whedon thinks it was hell, and this is Joss Whedon who yeah. Now we're getting all the who reports. Apparently, is from- not. Well, I mean, not only did he get me too, but also all the reports of him on the Justice League set, like once he came in and replaced Snyder, wasn't all that uh, wasn't all that, that nice good. himself either. So no, sound like he did not talk uh, well about that Snyder cut. Oh, ooh. 
Drat. You know who's excited for it, Brad? You. I am. Me. You know who's coming on this show to talk about it when it comes out? You. I, I mean, be I'll, there. I'll probably be here. Maybe. I'll think yeah. about it. <laughs> this week in epic film history. It's here. What? what? It's here. What was that noise? What was... What's going it's on? Alright, that is creepy. Dude, I think I finally showed up to one of these things. That is, whoa, it's epic film guy Justin Esquivel. Honestly, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say it right now. I think this is the best season since the first, if not the best season of the show so far. Uh, no, it's way better than even season one. This season was a fucking masterpiece. Wow. Landmark fucking television. Like, literally not a single minute of, of, of screen time was wasted by any character or any plot line. It didn't have that season two trap where it, we got that ridiculously weird 11 backstory episode. The season two was not the best. Like, it was still overall very good, but it did have its little stumbling points. Season one, I mean, it's just the establishing season of the show. You're just getting familiar with it. You're just getting to learn it. Now, they found their comfort. They found their footing. They found what works. They found what doesn't. And they fire on every single fucking cylinder. Everything about this season is fucking beautiful. Not even kidding. It's insane how good this season is. And every episode that I watched, I couldn't believe that it was getting better. Not even kidding you. I fucking loved it. First, my friend, I've got to know what you've got guzzling down your gullet. Is actually, no, wait, wait. I've got even better. A listener of the show, Justin, DL Kiedis, over on Twitter, sent us a whole bunch of suggestions because he listened to one of the shows where you were trying to come up with something to fit in there for what are you drinking? And I know we've already done what are you funneling down your fuck hole. Yeah, we've already talked right. about that. One of our uh, favorites. And then what are you guys on down your cold this evening? Obviously is where that whole thing was based. So he sent us a whole bunch of suggestions that we can use for future segments. You want to hear some of them? Here we go. I, I would love to. I All would right. love to. What do you got dribbling down your dick pocket this evening? Okay. What have you got plunging past your perineum polisher this evening? That one's a little, little wordy. That's a, that's a tongue twister. A lot of alliteration Ooh. in there. Alliteration. What have you got tumbling down your tit tickler this evening? I like that one very much. Uh, his personal favorite. What have you got cascading down your cock holster this evening? <laughs> wow. And what have you got creeping down your cum catcher this evening? <laughs> there, it all goes uh, back to dicks. Why, yeah, they're it all does. about dicks. Um, it's like he knows us so well. You just posted on the Facebook page today that it was exactly one year ago today that was my first ever inclusion on the Real Rundown podcast. It was the first time I ever stepped in as a guest on our own podcast so yeah and justin's cool. a huge huge fan of horror movies as we know if you want a little taste of something terrifying listen to that episode and the terrible sound quality <laughs> that we had back in the day i mean i was running a headset mic i believe you were on your phone for the first episode or two so this season takes place in summer of 1985 there's a new mall being Erected in the town, and that's where a majority of. Can you the say that word again. Erected. Can you say it, not past tense. Erect. Thank you. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> We've come this far, Brad. We've come this far, and we have yet to talk about the villain of the piece here. We have not. Legendary actor, 
Mr. Dennis Hopper, who a year before this was an amazing villain. Pop quiz, hotshot. Pop quiz, baby. Yeah, you were right. I just wanted to say a different line from you, but now now (laughs) it looks like I just don't know speed. I'm going to back away from the microphone now. But he was not the first choice for this character to to play this. Could you even imagine Jack Nicholson in this role? Or uh, Samuel Jackson turned it down yeah. to go do Die Hard with Vengeance. Could you could you imagine Samuel Jackson in this driving that car through the ship? Be yes. like these motherfuckers are gonna get it. Yes, and I would have preferred it because here's the thing about Dennis. It would have been great. I love Dennis Hopper in the right movie. In the right movie. In this movie. See, and here's the thing where when you say, is this movie a joke to Dennis Hopper? Yes, it was because he is so, so over the top. He goes so far like over chewing scenery. He's looped back around and he's eating himself (laughs) like he is so ridiculously over the top. And the problem with it is, is the way that Reynolds directed it and whatever parts that Costner directed and Costner, of course, apparently that's why they had the falling out was because Costner was basically backseat directing the whole time when Reynolds was on the set. Everybody else is playing this shit really straight. And so when you have Hopper come in, you're not going to tell Dennis Hopper what the fuck to do. So Dennis Hopper is legitimately relishing this. He is so over the top, but he is so disconnected from everything else in this movie. It feels like he's in a different movie. Seriously. Mm. Feels like uh, a previous one that we talked about with uh, John Travolta. He would fit perfectly into that movie. (laughs) He would fit so well into that movie. It would make as much sense if he was in that movie as this movie with their 500-year-old jet skis and shit. Well, I mean, this is a, what Battlefield Earth is 500 years after this. So they, like I said, the water went down and they found it's the true. jets. They, they found the jets, which hadn't been damaged by the water either. Yeah, no. We're just making, <laughs> you realize by tying these universes together, we're only making Battlefield Earth worse, right? It's just making <laughs> it even worse. And how do, yeah, who, who how do, how do these still run? Like five five hundred plus years, how is the ship not just not complete dust? The Exxon Valdez, how is it not just rusted into yeah. like and like dust? I, I mean again, this is apparently a ship where they have all sorts of uh, like uh, refinery stuff on board. Like and now, granted, okay, I will I will my ignorance here. It's not really ignorance because I mean I feel like to be somebody who works on an oil tanker you need to be a pretty specialized type of person but i don't believe they have on the tanker itself i don't believe they have all of the stuff to refine oil into gasoline i wouldn't apparently the three-hour cut explains how they do it yeah which which which, like i said this one you're like oh they must just be not curious enough to watch it but yeah apparently it explains where they get cigarettes from like these are manufactured cigarettes with filters and everything it, it apparently, apparently explains they have they their own religion that the the smokers have their own like almost cultish religion too yeah. that the three hour cut has i would love to see just those just those scenes as long as costner's nowhere near them i would love to watch just <laughs> those scenes of the movie i wonder if i could find that on youtube like just the broadcast stuff that was cut out of the theatrical version of this movie you might be able to maybe I or don't know. you're gonna have to watch the whole thing over again no absolutely i will fast forward every scene costner's in he's like i mean seriously he's insufferable he's not watchable and then i mean again you have hopper who hopper i believe i don't know who 
like if it was just a conversation that Hopper had with Reynolds or if Hopper just read this material and was like, there's no way this shit's serious. I can't, t- I can't play this role seriously. There's no way. So he went into it. And, and like I said, I mean, it's Dennis Hopper. You don't take, you don't, you don't stop. You don't yell cut and be like uh, uh Dennis. That's, that's you not what we were going for at all. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, you just kind of let him do his thing because you got Dennis fucking Hopper in it. And you're like, well, we wanted Jackson and then they wanted Jack Nicholson, but they were like, no, we can't afford him. So, you know, but we can afford Dennis Hopper. He'll do it. <sighs> I just it's it's not good. It's it's not good because it, it, I mean, again, it is legitimately the epitome of shut your brain off cinema. The second you think about anything that happened in this movie, everything falls apart. Everything. And, it, and I know I know I'm sitting here bashing on it with you, but it is one of those movies that I probably will eventually watch again just because. It is one of those movies like I need something that I don't want to think about. I'm going to put this on. I mean, I will I will <laughs> step it one further up. You can't think about it. You literally <laughs> no, you can't, can't because as soon as you do, it starts to ruin the enjoyment of it for you. I was not the film person I am now when I watched this movie originally. I didn't have good memories of it then, so I didn't even remember liking it then, but I had forgotten most of this like literally almost the whole thing like i didn't remember i'm basically all i remembered was it's mad max on the water like that's yeah. kind of all and i remembered it, about it and if you want a movie about a, a drifter in a dystopian world just watch mad max it, it, it's it's far better exactly it's just it you know but then like i said i mean co- and, and that's the problem like i think i think brad if you take this even if you take the same script, flesh out some more of the elements for sure, change some of the other elements that don't logically make sense. Like if you want it 50 years, fine. Not not the entire world is flooded, but maybe there's some kind of weird, I don't know, storms or breakwater or something where you can't approach this land area. But then there's this other land area where it's supposedly free and clear. I don't know. I'm not rewriting Waterworld on the air, but <laughs> if you fix a couple of the logical consistencies, you change the time frame a little bit and you get somebody else in the lead role that's just hamming it up and having fun with this role. Like if you're having fun with this role, like I get that he's a loner, that he's literally a drifter. Mm-hmm. I get that. I get that. But you can have him be that and not have him just be a giant asshole because that's all he is. And it comes through in his performance and literally it makes me as a viewer hate him so much i'm like i don't care i literally want him to drown (laughs) and he he uh he basically plays almost the same role a few years later when he does the postman (sighs) he's just he's kind of a an asshole dick in that too (laughs) sense in a pattern (laughs) kevin reynolds said something to the effect of kevin costner should only should only direct and star in movies uh, or he should only star in movies that he directs himself so he can work with his favorite director, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Burn. Even though again, Costner handpicked him and then they still worked together again after this, they had clashed before still worked together. I mean, whatever. Is it one of those things where Costner was like, no, 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 dude, I, this time I promise. And then yeah, th- immediately was like, no, dude, you're directing this all wrong. Robin hood, Robin hood. That was just a, a one-time thing. Just come back and we, we can make this happen. They I went think to he Spielberg. brought that that Robin Hood accent with him too. Sometimes, once in a while. Well, I mean, he only used the accent once in a while. Why do they speak too, different so. languages in the movie too? Like, why are there? Why is there like a different <laughs> drifter language? Like, there's just 
there's just the, the world when you have a world like this when you think about like a lord of the rings what do you spend the first like 45 minutes of lord of the rings doing just learning about hobbits that's it just exploring their characters now i'm not saying this needs to be four hours long like fellowship or longer or whatever but i'm saying that if you're creating a world like this you have to take the time to immerse us in it and you have to take the time to for an audience member who they're going to have those cogs turning in their brain when they're watching it because we're human beings and we have analytical minds well some of us do i don't know you know <laughs> you never know lately you look around but some you have to do the bare minimum amount of stuff the bare minimum to explain literally any of what's fucking going on and this film doesn't and it's a travesty that a lot of it got put back in on tv edits of the movie that does apparently flesh out some more of it or whatever i don't know i would probably I still think it was it, the studio was it the studio that wanted it cut down because you know costner's movie prior wyatt earp didn't you know, three plus hour I think that was the original well. genesis of it, but then I think Costner wanted to cut it down even more. Okay. Or something but, like that. I can't, but I can't then remember. A few exactly, years later, but... he was like, you know what? Postman, we're going to make it three plus hours and we'll, we'll see what happens. Just, I mean, there's such a missed opportunity. The production was wrought with, with all sorts of trouble. They talked to Spielberg at one point who basically told them because he had so much trouble shooting Jaws out in the open water, he's like, don't shoot it on the open water. And what yeah. did they do? shot it on the open water because you know why not yeah why not they, i mean you know looks, they had to shut down multiple times listen due to hurricanes it looks beautiful it does look beautiful who is the cinema i'm gonna look it up i'm gonna look it up hang on well the, the scene where the uh the smokers attack when it, when they when they come in and they they attack like i said it, it felt like it was some sort of show that you were watching but I watching it this time, I'm just kind of chuckle with, you know, the flag man calling people in and then they bring in a ramp with water skiers. Where do they, <laughs> where do they, they get like stuff? the giant anti-aircraft <laughs> battery from that had like the 450 cal yes. machine guns on it? Where did they get all the ammunition from it? I mean, again, these are all questions. There is. 25,000 feet, five miles of extra water, which, I mean, again, if every single polar ice cap, if every single last ice cube on this planet melted, not even close, nowhere even remotely close to 25,000 feet of water. You don't know that? Yes, I do. Kevin Costner did his science. <laughs> oh, my Lord. So the it's, cinematographer, uh, in, I looked this up. The cinematographer it's in, uh, this. It's in Dianetics. You need to read that. In oh, time. God. Right back to Battlefield. <laughs> oh, but the cinematographer for this was Dean Semler. So Dean Semler is uh, the cinematographer. He did things like Mad Max 2, The Road Warrior, Mad huh, Max Beyond Thunderdome. I mean, I know, like, it's it's like they got him to do, like, they're, you know. They're like, we're going to do this Mad Max on his water. Lane. Who could we call? Who could who could we bring in to be our cinematographer? He did a lot of stuff. I'll, like, he did Dances with Wolves. He did. Okay. So um, he had ties with Costner. He also did uh, He also did Super Mario Brothers. Uh, <laughs> that's, a, that's a whole nother discussion. That's a movie that's so bad it's good that I love. Right. I mean, he he's done a lot of movies that you have either seen or heard of, even modern movies. Well, I mean, okay, he did Maleficent, God in Heaven. And then it seems like all of a sudden he got picked up by Adam Sandler 
Because he did the Ridiculous <laughs> Six. He did the do-over. He did Sandy Wexler. Like, is he just like, hmm. does Sandler just own him now? He must. I mean, he's Sandler's still, got some dirt on him. I think the film looks beautiful. I think it's shot well enough. I, I do think it looks really, really nice. I do think it look it, it it looks great, you know, for being shot out on the open water. But I mean, yeah, you know, I mean, I mean, again, the production you just you can read all about the production troubles that this film had. I mean, it was just wrought with so many the the budget ballooned out of control, and that's why it ended up as the most expensive movie ever made until Titanic came along a couple years later and was like, no, Cameron was like bullshit. I'm. Phew. Like, Cameron's fuck, like, fuck no, I can't be outdone. We're gonna dive to the actual Titanic several times. Let's go. <laughs> you know that James Cameron has 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 gone down in a submersible to the bottom of the Mariana Trench. Literally, no. He is one of very few people to have done it. I don't well, know why you know, I know that, but it's because he really loves oceanography, like really, really loves it. So yeah, and James James Cameron calls. You're like, all right, yeah, yeah. When James Cameron wants to take your submersible seven and a half miles down under the sea, you're like, sure. Or when James Cameron wants to make a movie, they're like, take as long as you need. Avatar, you know what? Whenever. Whenever you're ready. I'm still excited for him. I don't care. I'll (laughs) still watch every single one of them. And so will everyone else that complains about him online, Brad. Every single one of them. Every (laughs) one of them. They will. But uh, I don't. Do you have anything else you want to say about this piece of shit? I hate this movie. This movie's so bad. <laughs> it's so bad. And the production and the cinematography, like I said, there are aspects of it that are really, really good. It's just, it's Costner. Like, legitimately, it's. I think it's Costner's ego that destroys this movie. He destroyed it with a bad performance. He destroyed it by basically getting the director to walk away from the project, and he destroyed it in the editing room when he eviscerated its shit. Sounds like it's a Kevin Costner movie. Exactly. So. Yeah. And and for me this is yes, it's a bad movie, but it is one of those that you can just you watch you watch with friends and you can make fun of it. It's not Battlefield it's Earth one, bad. It's one of those movies you just you just have a fun time and just shut your brain off and make fun of it. Dennis Hopper is deliciously over the top in this movie. <laughs> so like, so over the top. Do not take this movie seriously. I would say don't. he's chewing a lot of scenery, but he's actually drinking a lot of scenery because yeah. it's all water, guys. It's all water. Well, alcohol. They're 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 drinking a lot of uh it looks like whiskey. They have whiskey. He has a bottle of Jack Daniels for no reason. Oil. What else do they have? They have they have the guns. Signal have... flares. Where the fuck does he get five hundred year old <laughs> signal flares? <laughs> but but the uh the little the little township they have nothing. They're just a little place floating out with a tomato plant. With a tomato plant, and then and then Kevin Costner's like, I want to buy those too, and they're like, But you bought everything. No, the shelves. Why? Because I have a whole bunch. What do they call them? Chits. That are just basically like little shells. That's their Why? currency. Why? Why? <laughs> where do they get these chits? Somebody explain to me where I don't they know. get the chits. See, here's the other thing. Human beings couldn't survive diving. I'm getting way too into this movie. Logically, again, is Kevin Costner 100% responsible for the economy in this film because he's got his gills and he's the only one that could swim down that far? Because they don't have scuba yeah. gear. Although are I there guess, others like him? Are there? We don't know. We don't know. I guess that was something that in the original, in the, so in the original, like the extended cut or whatever, that's why he leaves and doesn't stay in Mount Everest. Not because he doesn't feel like he belongs on land, but because he wants to search the world and find out if there are others like him. That is a thing that I read. 
Oh, so he grew a heart in the end. Yeah. After being an asshole, his heart grew two sizes. Literally two-thirds of the movie, and then all of a sudden, the little girl who... Brad didn't know this. I blew his mind no. before we started recording, because I saw her when I was rewatching it. I was like, why does she look so familiar? And then two-thirds of the way through this movie, I remembered the scene of Deb selling Napoleon boondoggle keychains on her porch. I'm like, holy fuck, it's Deb. It's Deb from Napoleon Dynamite. And and he is he is right. I, I was like, no, no way. Blew my mind. I think I couldn't think of anything else for the rest of the movie. In fact, I didn't care about anything else for the rest of the movie because I was already so mad. I was watching it. I was like, Brad, I hate you so much. I was like, if you don't come on for a good anniversary one of these times, there's something that we can talk about that's really great that we love. <sighs> Every time, there's, man. I'm know, looking I, at my microphone like that's where you are, like you're in there, like I'll get you, Brad. <laughs> Mm-hmm. what's the next bad movie i can bring to you i don't know gotta, gotta think this one gotta be some other bad anniversaries coming up <laughs> gotta be <sighs> my 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 but now my. you hate it you'll never watch it again i'll like i said i'll probably I would watch love it again to see the extra footage i don't want to watch the whole movie again because i would not sit through three hours of water world hell yeah, three to hours no. be tough I would, however, if there was just a compilation somewhere on YouTube or like whatever, or just even some of the additional scenes that they shot that were cut out, I would watch them just to see what context they lend to the movie so I can hate Kevin Costner even more because I feel like that's all that watching those scenes would make me do. I just get madder at Kevin Costner. I'd be like, you colossal fucking ass. And then you you watch watch this and Postman as like a, a double feature. Six hours of costner post-apocalyptic costner at that yeah (laughs) man i'm gonna watch a three-hour movie that only has like a two-minute scene of kevin costner i'm just gonna go watch batman versus superman ultimate edition again boom he's great in that that, scene that's a that's a fine film really really forget the haters on that one that's a fine film. forget the haters like loy sauce because loy sauce sucks I was going to play a sound drop there, but then I wasn't ready on the soundboard like uh, usual. Ah, <sighs> Brad, I love you, man. I'm so glad you're here. I'm so, I love doing these things with you. These are a lot of fun, even though it's basically me shitting on the movie for 45 minutes and you being okay. like, hey, but but it has this going for it. And I'm like, no, yeah. it doesn't. And here's why. <laughs> <laughs> because logic. That's why. Oh man, I wish I could I wish I could do it folks. I wish I could. And you know what? Like we're going through the canon series right now. Like I can watch a movie like Death Wish 3 and I go into it. But in a Death Wish 3, it's got that tonal consistency where all of it is bad and all of it's over the top. So you you just you get lost in it and you just love it and you have fun and you laugh at it. In this, it's like Kevin Costner's like, "No, this is fucking serious. I'm a serious fucking artist and you will respect me, motherfucker." <laughs> Kevin Costner does kind of have an ego yeah or at least i don't i don't think it's quite there like it it was at this time in his career yeah this time in his career like you're talking like dances with wolves field of dreams like yeah this was like costner was like i mean again he got the director to walk off the set and basically say hey you should just direct movies that you're in from now on because you can't work with anybody else basically he, he made them spend millions of dollars to fix his receding hairline in this film so i read that too i also read apparently he stayed in like a forty five hundred dollar a night 
private resort and had like his own butler and his own chef and like the rest of the cast and crew were all in like these shitty condos yeah they were fucking slumming it and they hated (laughs) costner for it sounds about right and he was like he's costner at some point like I, i read that he got mad apparently he got mad that they had to douse him with water every time before the scene i'm like you're lucky they didn't fucking drown your ass <laughs> you are lucky you got off light if all you got was wet buddy now get back in that mud pit yeah right guys now, was that we let kevin out mud of that, cage? In that pit or is that like their it's compost there's like they put like they, that's where they put their dead bodies and shit it's like compost i, I imagine it's for like growing food Although they never really sure show us that. Great. I'm sure it smelled wonderful. I mean, I don't know what it actually was like on <laughs> I camera. Don't, I, I don't know if it was like their, this is their sewage. This is where they, they all take a crap. I mean, I like, probably, if you think, I mean, realistically, here, I, I just, I can't, I can't anymore. I can't, no. <laughs> I, 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 I almost asked another question that was about to break <laughs> open more of this movie logically. I was about to do it, Brad. See, you almost, you almost jumped in the sea and got me like a giant mutant shark thing to clamp down upon you and then you almost destroyed almost. me from the inside i tried i tried but failed mm-hmm. i'll bring like... the next bad movie anniversary to you and we'll we'll see if i can do that oh brad until until next time when you when you come back here to punish me with god knows what uh where can our audience find you out there on the web well they can find the cinema guys at we are the cinema guys.com and you can find i'll get a burger we don't have a website but you can find i'll get a burger at i'll get a burger on twitter or just search i'll get a burger in your podcatcher which definitely do it brad is also taking part in the efg fitness challenge which by the time you hear this episode is probably over almost over maybe i'm not 100 percent sure exactly what day this episode is gonna land do i dare put this out on my birthday no no (laughs) no i will not let you celebrate my birthday with me kevin costner so there may be time left but either way even if you're not taking part in the efg fitness challenge get over into the efg fitness challenge facebook group the links down below in the show notes head over to the group i'm posting daily check-in threads tell us what you're doing tell us what you're working out tell us what your goals are we'll help motivate you we'll help keep you positive help you know, hopefully push you in the right direction I mean, and everything. 2020 is the perfect year to stay positive and get yourself better for it, sure. It really is. It's, it's a, it's a good year to try to improve your health. Yes. All around <laughs> health, yeah. physically, mentally, everything. Definitely. Yeah. So yeah, Brad, uh, it's always, always an absolute pleasure. Whenever you're here, I always appreciate it. Even though you have made me watch some very, very questionable films. And I'm not done yet. Thank you. Thank you for allowing me to bring this wonderful cinema to you. All right. It is neither wonderful nor cinema. I object. <laughs> I, I object. Okay, fine. I guess it technically screened in movie theaters. So by the loosest Plutter possible those. definition, it <laughs> is a movie. Fine. <laughs> Thank you so, so much for being here. For myself, ladies and gentlemen, for Brad, for Justin, and for our absolutely beautiful, amazing god of podcasting. People want the sauce. That guy. Thank you so, so much for listening. Until next time, we will see you 
at the movies. 